Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Driving the Deal. I'm Brian Fortune, head of Farragut Square Group. With me, as always, is my fabulous co-host, Chris Whirling, partner at McDermott, Will & Emery, out of the Chicago office. Hey, Brian. It is good to be together again. It was great to be together in person, actually, recently in New York at our HPE New York Symposium. There was a lot of great discussion about current trends in healthcare private equity transactions. My panel in particular, we had some some great reaction from the group on recent FTC enforcement activity. We spoke about some of the new state laws that are impacting the ability to close in particular physician transactions and just the overall climate for healthcare private equity investment right now, which is you know a little more challenging than it has been in recent years, given this new regulatory scrutiny. But overall, I think the reaction and tone of the conference was upbeat and dealmakers are looking to the first quarter of next year to be a very busy healthcare private equity investment period. So I left the conference excited and energized, and I'm also excited to speak with our guest today on the podcast. John Jameson from Cantor Fitzgerald to talk about the allergy and ENT space which has been seeing a lot of interest lately, and we're expecting a lot of deal activity coming up over the next months and perhaps the next year. So welcome, John. Good to have you. Hey, thanks for the invitation to join the podcast here. I've been a longtime follower. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, very exciting. Why don't we just jump right in? So it's getting a lot of attention right now. I'll just kick it off to you. What's sparking the, the increased interest in the space? Yeah, it's a really great question. ENT and allergy is currently benefiting from the newest wave of consolidation in the emerging multi-site PPM sectors like GI, ortho, urology, podiatry, and now cosmetic plastic surgery. These sectors are characterized by a consumer-facing healthcare delivery model that has become increasingly more attractive to patients in the post-COVID environment. That's interesting. John, what about the demand side? of the equation. How has demand for allergy and ENT changed recently? Yeah, so allergy and ENT is a highly attractive PPM sector with a long growth runway. There are a number of sector dynamics that have recently increased demand for services, including aging of the U.S. population, increased healthcare coverage through Medicare and Medicaid, increasing rate of hearing loss. Now more than 450 people worldwide suffer from hearing loss, and 10% of North Americans are plagued by the loss of hearing, as well as increasing incidences of allergies and related chronic ailments, you know, suspected due to GMO, food-related allergies, air pollution, a more hygienic lifestyle, and other factors. Now, more than 50 million Americans suffer from various allergies, with 30 million suffering from asthma, which results in a staggering $65 billion in annual direct costs from allergies and asthmas. So going forward, what is the outlook for the next couple of years? Well, the ENT market is 18 billion globally and is expected to grow 5 to 7% over the next five years, supported by these broader sector tailwinds, including the growing prevalence of, of allergic disorders, technology improvements, surgical applications for these treatments, and more individuals willing to seek out help related to health issues relating to hearing loss, sinusitis, voice disorders, sleep apnea, and head and neck issues. Well, John, I believe it on the hearing side, you know, it's because we should track that against the number of people who enjoy going to live music concerts. 
So since Taylor Swift had such a great year with her Eras tour, I'm, I'm guessing that the hearing loss will rise accordingly. I think so, you're right. So let's talk about, you know, sometimes we see a space that's really starting to get some interest. We kind of break it down in terms of a lot of important sub factors that might be driving that. So like break it down a little further. Is this a space where we've seen a lot of rise in the use of ambulatory surgery centers? Uh, is this a space where there's just a lot of smaller providers where there's a, there's a consolidation play? Or do you think think there are any other factors like just sort of risk appetite for, for finding a space that's stable? Yeah, so the prevalence of ASC benefits ENT practices as more procedures can be performed in an ambulatory setting, and we expect ENT activity in the ASCs to significantly grow in the coming years. Also, in general, patients understand that minimally invasive procedures performed in the ASCs have the same or better success rates than an invasive procedure performed in the hospital setting. So we continue to see that migration. Also, as you pointed out, allergy and ENT is a highly fragmented market with less than 10 PE-backed platforms and less than 2% of the market has been consolidated to date, which supports continued consolidation of independent practices. And a small but a growing number of financial sponsors have targeted the NT and allergy space since 2015, and we expect a number of new platform creations next year and some sizable secondary trades in the first half of 2024. That's great. Can you talk a little bit about the supply and demand mix? How is it overall and does it vary at all by region? Sure. The allergy and ENT sector has favorable supply demand dynamics as there is a significant unmet need for care and a very limited supply of ENT physicians. It, just by the numbers here, there are 296 ortholaryngologists that enter the U.S workforce annually, while there are 306 to 316 physicians that leave the workforce every year. So this shortage of ENT physicians is becoming more acute as demand increases for more ENT treatment services and the surgical application of these services. Let's talk about the service mix and how it's been evolving. So, you know, as people start to look at assets, what are you looking for in the service mix by subspecialty? you know, in terms of allergy-focused or ENT-focused? Yeah, for allergy, core services include allergy testing, immunology, chronic care management, such as the treatment of chronic cough and other infections, as well as the treatment of sinusitis, dermatitis, eczema, asthma, and other respiratory conditions. For ENT, core services include ear. These are the ear tubes, outer middle ear surgery, hearing, testing on hearing, application of hearing aids, head and neck. This is tonsillectomy, thyroid surgery, head and neck cancer evaluation and surgeries. Again, sinus and sinus surgery, as well as voice, swallowing, and sleep. So John, can you talk to us about payment dynamics, payment environments, are there any that are more favorable for allergy versus ENT? Yeah, for both allergy and ENT, we have seen stable reimbursement environment over the past couple of years. Within allergy, we are starting to see more favorable reimbursement for businesses that are focused on pediatrics, which is becoming less common in ENT. Right. And then what about the geography? So, you know, obviously there's places where we do deals in the country where there's few of any type of specialty, but when it comes to allergy or ENT, are, are there any regional concentrations that you find interesting? 
In general, ENT physicians concentrate in densely populated regions with more than 60% of U.S. ENT facilities located in highly populated MSAs. Rural markets are generally underserved by the allergy and ENT providers. And as technology progresses and medical practices evolve, it is difficult and costly for small practices to stay updated with enhanced treatment options without support network around them. Also, recruitment of allergy and ENT providers in these secondary and tertiary markets remains a challenge. That's very interesting. You know, one of the questions we always ask in PPM is whether there are any ancillaries that are you know, part of the subspecialty and in particular ancillaries that smaller practices can grow and how PPMs can support uh, the growth of those ancillaries. Yeah, for allergy, we're starting to see a lot more ancillary growth opportunities with rheumatology and pediatrics. For ENT, ancillary growth opportunities include ASCs and the expansion of treatment services into allergy, creating a cross-selling eco-environment, as well as sinuses and the expansion into voice restoration and sleep. Emerging ancillary growth opportunities include the build-out of full hearing centers, which includes hearing aids, sleep disorder centers, and now facial plastic surgery centers, including a variety of invasive and non-invasive procedures, which is focusing on reconstruction of most defects, lasers, and other skincare treatment services. Yeah, definitely. See a lot of practices kind of giving a thought to how to expand their, their service offering. One ancillary service that we're starting to see more traction in with larger consolidators is the facial plastic surgery space. As practices are adding board certified plastic surgeons to provide invasive and non-invasive surgeries, focusing on not only brinoplasties, but also more traditional procedures like facelifts, et cetera. This combination is really capitalizing on the trends that are going on in the aesthetic market as more consumers are focusing on their self-image and preventative maintenance. Yeah. So Obviously, John, this brings us to one of the more important parts of our conversation, which is always, you know, we appreciate hearing thoughts from our friends on and investing in the space. So, you know, first question off the top, if you're if you're thinking about going in is, you know, from your vantage point, what makes for an attractive asset? Yeah, so first off, in investing in any PPM across all sectors, it has to check the boxes. Strength and depth of physician leadership team clinical excellence and reputation for patient safety, thought leadership and research initiatives, high quality revenue generated from recurring patient visits, no referral source concentration, no out-of-network commercial risk, geographic concentration and regional density leverageability, and a scalable infrastructure with an established fellowship program in order to backfill retiring physicians. Factors that make an attractive asset in the allergy and ENT space include emphasis on consistent set of patient flow and cross-selling opportunities between allergy and ENT services, emphasis on technology innovation that optimizes diagnostic and treatment capabilities for these ENT physicians. Some of these include nasal endoscopy, ear microscopy, and other procedures, as well as emphasis on clinical compliance and the proper documentation for medical necessary testing and procedures, which has become highly scrutinized over the last couple of months. And finally, you know, emphasis on ancillary services, which we mentioned above, including a build out of allergy, allergy testing, sleep, 
hearing, and other pediatric services. Thank you for that. So following on, what do you think are the most important things that you're looking at when people are evaluating some of these uh, opportunities? Yeah, a prospective seller should consider the relative advantages of partnering with a financial spark sponsor as an alternative to partnering with a hospital group or national healthcare company. Financial sponsors are the most entrepreneurial driven consolidation model and arguably the best type of transaction to maximize total valuation via upfront cash and a roller equity to align financial incentives with investors, allowing for future upsize appreciation and define post-transaction comp structure with a proven income repair strategy. Equally important, financial sponsors usually allow the physicians full autonomy with respect to the clinical aspect of the practice and direct their focus on non-clinical centralized administrative support aspects such as revenue cycle, IT, EMR support, finance accounting, and business development to fuel growth. A prospective buyer or investor should consider commitment to quality care. Does the practice have a personalized, focused patient care model? Is there considerable focus on care standardization to ensure appropriate utilization, best clinical practices, and consistent documentation? Does the practice have a history of same-store revenue growth and profitability? Most ENT and allergy practices have a significant level of recurring patients to the nature of chronic care management that supports ongoing growth. 70-plus percent of visits are generated by existing patients. Also, geographic Traffic location is important. Is the practice located in a highly attractive primary service market, such as growing attractive population, attractive payer mix, convenient access to ASCs, and enhanced treatment options? Expanding the practice network can result in greater payer negotiation leverage. And finally, technology. How has the practice utilized technology to optimize care and patient satisfaction scores? We continue to see the increasing patient preference for minimally invasive ENT procedures and the benefits of such tech-enabled procedures in the ASC environment, as well as increased adoption of telemedicine where ENT treatment is not easily accessible, for example, treating newborns and pediatric patients in rural areas. As the market continues to mature, we expect more ENT and allergy platforms to be more forward-thinking in their investment for ancillary growth opportunities and attractive exposure to more value-based care so one question is about the fragmentation in this market. If uh, an investor is looking at the allergy ENT space, what can they expect to see from an asset size that's available uh, to invest in and assets are available for add-on transactions? There are approximately 10,000 fully trained practicing ENTs in the U.S. Most research suggests that the number of trained ENTs is insufficient to supply and current projected U.S. healthcare needs. 65% of those ENT physicians are practicing within a physician practice less than four ENT physicians. In terms of size, most investors are approaching this space similar to other emerging PPM sectors by partnering with thought leadership positions and highly attractive MSAs starting at subscale levels, less than 5 million of EBITDA, and quickly creating line of sight to a buy and build strategy by partnering with other like-minded physician practices in an attractive region or geography. Early investors entered this space three to five years ago and identified sizable practices and have since scaled. Now they're three to five years into their hold period 
and we expect these early investors to be rewarded on their secondary trades over the next 12 to 18 months. Next year, we expect to see continued M&A activity in the allergy and ENT space. Really a tale of two cities here. The first, some of the larger consolidators with 80 plus locations across multiple regions are expected to come to market. It will be attractive for larger buyout firms. The second, we expect lower middle market investors to enter the space through partnering with attractive subscale practices and attractive MSAs and executing a buy and build strategy to create regional density and a regional consolidation play. Uh, we expect both of these to play out over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. That was great. John, yes, thanks for joining us. It was great to have you and learn a little bit about the allergy and ENT space, a space that uh, we're excited to uh, work with our clients on in, in over the coming several quarters. Obviously, very exciting as we look ahead to next year. Looking forward to an increased level of activity overall, but definitely there's been uh, a lot of interest in allergy and ENT that's been uh, happening over the last few months. So we're definitely excited for you being uh, very active in that space as well. So everybody who's on today, thank you as always for joining us. This year has absolutely flown by. So, you know, when it comes to forward announcements, I will say that just around the corner, we'll be seeing a lot of you who make the trip out in San Francisco for JP Morgan. And then shortly after that, of course, is our own highly anticipated healthcare private equity conference in Miami in South Beach. So it'll be here before you know it. So we look forward to seeing all of you again in person. So in the meantime, everybody uh, continue to have a, a great day and a great week. And we will be back at you soon with another episode of Driving the Deal. Thank you very much. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2022, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication, without the prior written consent of McDermott is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Thank you.